0: Even when you've had these successes, there's still doubt in your mind, like, like, how long can I keep this going? There's still those doubts. Is this going to work out? Is it going to get any bigger than this? Or is it just, are we going to continue to spin our wheels? And Wiz is who he is today. And everyone knows kind of how the story went, at least, you know, over the last 10 years. But at that time, you don't know how the story is going to go, right? right? You know, the story isn't written yet. And so... Is this just gonna just fall apart? You know, um, is something really gonna happen? I had talks with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, you know, like, I don't know how much longer I can keep this going. You know, maybe I should be a music teacher. Maybe I should do this, maybe I should do that. Um, And it was right after that that conversation that i had with her that it started to pick up all of a sudden it started going and then this happened and that happened and and then it just started going crazy but like i was thinking like i don't know how much longer i can do this keep this going i've been keeping it going for years Mm. you know and you don't know how it's gonna go this warner brothers thing didn't quite work out like we're back independent which felt good but at the same time it's like all right all of it is on us again and when you push long enough sometimes something happens you know
1: What's up guys, welcome back to episode number 60 of Connection is Magic. Thank you so much for coming back and tuning in. Been working my ass off on this podcast. If you guys could take 60 seconds for me and go to Apple Podcasts, pull up the podcast there, Connection is Magic, and leave us a review and a few words, I would be so, so grateful. Really helps the podcast grow and expand and reach more people. If you are getting value from the podcast and are a regular listener, would greatly appreciate you going to patreon.com backslash connection is magic and consider becoming a monthly contributor. Doesn't matter what dollar amount, all of it is appreciated as we build this thing. Could not be more excited to kick off season two with a very special guest, Benji Grinberg, Pittsburgh native, started Rostrum Records with a couple big, big artists that you might know, Wiz Khalifa and Mac Miller, among others. We go into him leaving this really cushy job with L.A. Reid at Arista Records, the early bumpy days of him establishing Rostrum Records, including Wiz Khalifa getting dropped from his initial major record label deal, and how he almost gave up on his path in the music business and became a music teacher. Here we go. Welcome, everybody, to Connection Is Magic. I'm your host, Samson Schulman, a former music executive turned podcaster and coach. In a world obsessed with the highlight reel and keeping our difficulties hidden behind the curtains, We end up feeling lonely and isolated, and opportunities for human connection are missed. On this podcast, we dive deep with our guests and get them to share those dreaded, unfiltered pieces. We learn how to make lemonade out of life's lemons and realize adversity isn't sent to break us, but rather shape us into the greatest versions of ourselves. We appreciate you spending some time with us. Now let's begin our journey back home to connection. Benji Grinberg, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, good to be here. Man, and you made it all the way from Studio City? From Studio City. To
0: Venice. Yeah. Yeah, well, at it's least 40, minutes. It's forty minutes. It's forty minutes. Not yeah. bad. Okay. In LA, that's not horrible. No,
1: if you're under an hour and a half in your commute in LA, <laughs> you're, you're doing pretty good. You've been in the music business for a while now. Yeah, and you've been at a lot of these conferences and stuff like that. You've been a presenter. But what you're getting into lately, I feel like, is like it's almost like you're digging deeper into yourself. It feels like because you're opening up about your philanthropy and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You're talking a little bit more about mental health these days. Yeah. So it's like at a at a deeper level.
0: Would you say that that's true?: Yeah, I think when you first get into the music industry and and you first start to have success, people are asking about that, like, "How did you do this and how did you do that and And all of that's well and good and and I'm happy to continue talking about things like that. For me, it's more interesting to dive deeper and talk about things that I've learned over the course of being in the music industry or being successful at certain things, you know um, sometimes that comes with other things. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about that and dive a little bit deeper into things that maybe people aren't talking about as much as I'd like them to and try to normalize certain things that I think for a while were like, off, you know, things that you shouldn't talk about or things that people didn't, things that people didn't talk about. And to me, it would have been helpful in my journey if I had heard other people talking like that, you know? Bravo, uh, you're so. like the consummate guest <laughs> for this podcast,
1: man. Cause right there, Connection is Magic is the name of it. And I'm yeah. like, you you can't truly connect with another person unless you pull back the curtain, in my in my opinion. Otherwise you're just connecting
0: at a very surfacey yeah. level. For sure. Um and you know, when you're getting to know an artist or, or you know, someone on your team or or just anyone in general, sometimes it's hard just right off the bat to be like, hey, these are my issues. More so like, yeah, where are you from and, and what are you working on and this, this, that and the other. But you have to, you know, at some point dive deeper than that.
1: To many people, that's not on their agenda at all is to
0: get to that place where you're sharing that sort of honestly. Yeah, some people don't care um, or... They're not sensitive to those sorts of things or they have no need, you know, in their soul to dive deeper. You know what I mean? (laughs) And and they're cool with the like uh, more transactional relationships. Well said.
1: My mentor from Interscope, longtime guy there. I don't know if you know Tony Ferguson, but he's around forever. I know the name. When he was on the podcast, we talked about that quote of uh, it's not personal, it's just business. And he sees that quote as bullshit. Like... It's always
0: personal, to some yeah. some degree. No, for sure. I think for me, you know, we're, we're we're working in music. You know what I mean. We're not working in you know something that is maybe easily more transactional, or you know something where it's like I'm selling widgets and exactly you, you want, an assembly you need to buy. line with like yeah, widgets. Yeah, exactly. It's like these are feelings. These yeah. are you know people that are 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 making these songs. You know often multiple people that are making one song. Um, and so, and for me like Rostrum is, it's hard not to take things personally, you know, and I've gotten better over the course of time where, you know, uh, you know, separating myself from from the business and and not getting my feelings wrapped up into into everything. which when, seems like a
1: real yeah. magic act because you're putting yourself into these projects in a way where you said the
0: majors might not. I don't want to say that they don't, but I, I can just say that we do. It's hard not to take things personally, but you do get better or your your skin gets thicker. To, to deal with certain situations or, yeah, you take it personally, but it doesn't affect you as much as maybe when you're coming up or you're a little bit younger or whatever. It's like, you have your priorities more in check. You you know who you are, you're confident in who you are. So if cer- certain things happen, it doesn't affect you as much. Because everyone has their own path to getting there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And some people might get there way faster. Yeah. And, and some people are more resilient in not letting things affect them. And some people aren't, you know, and so it, it might take longer for that kind of person, you know, to get there.
1: Well, it's almost like your first heartbreak, too. Like when, you know, yeah, that, yeah. that
0: girlfriend at 17 years old that just yeah. like
1: you get crushed when it doesn't work out. Oh, but, yeah. yeah but, no,
0: for sure. Mm-hmm. And and those things always hurt. But but you you pull from experience like, oh, I remember when I was 17 and, and she yeah. broke my heart. and But I also remember how I got past it. And so and so you pull from that side of it as well, Absolutely. you know, to help you get by, you know, I'm 43. So it's like, I have a family, I have two kids and, you know, and so I don't get as wrapped up in all the day-to-day drama or this, that, or the other, because I'm focused over here. Once you have who you are and like kind of what you do, those those sorts of Curveballs or hits and misses like become easier to to sort of deal with, but certainly when you're sort of making your way into it and, and hustling in and and doing all that kind of stuff, um, you know, trying to hit as many marks as possible is definitely important. But yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't suggest taking those things that seriously. A, a lot of it's out of your control. Yes, you know, and so you have to do the best job that you can do you know, put yourself in as many positive situations as you know, as you can. And, and hopefully things start to work out for you, you get to the next level, and then you work from that level to get to the next level and to protect yourself from some of the negative energy that's out there. You know, I've had to create boundaries with certain artists or certain teams or whatever, where I was just like, this isn't, you know, this isn't, um, giving me energy, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. taking away energy and and not in a productive way. And you have to be okay at some point to say no to certain things or to part ways with certain people or do certain things like that for the betterment of yourself, you know, and, and mm. kind of remember to put yourself and... and your sanity and your happiness and, yes. you know, and all that kind of stuff first, you know, which is difficult in the music business because always... It's 24-7, it's right? It's always going. It's always going. You have to, you know, you have to create those boundaries or it's going to eat you up. Well said. What was your very first job in the music industry? In college, it was sort of the time where I really realized that this is absolutely what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. I'd always been a big music fan, but coming from Pittsburgh, I didn't really have anybody to look up to in terms of being in the, in involved in music. So to me, it always felt like some far off, like fantasy world. And when I was in college, it sort of became a little bit real or like, oh wait, you can actually participate. And even if you're not a musician or whatever, you could, you know, play a role in this. And so I did a lot of internships, um, you know, when I was in college, um, I worked at, um, WXPN, which is a radio station in Philly that, that does, um, a lot of great, a lot of, um, a lot of great programs, um, including World Cafe and stuff like that. So I I was literally an intern. I would like set up mics for musicians coming through to perform, um, helping you know pull CDs up from the shelf for for the DJs that wanted to play certain things. I worked at Interscope Records.
1: Oh, you worked there too?
0: Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. Um, in ni- the summer of 1999, who'd you work for? Um, so I worked for the production department, not like very complicated work, mm-hmm. but what I tell people is, look, you know, everyone wants to be like the CEO, like their In second day being, <laughs> an inter- yeah, you yeah. Know, being an intern. And so to me, I tell you like, look, even if the job that you're doing, you know, or the internship that you're doing, isn't like super interesting or whatever, it's like just proving that you can show up every day, be reliable, do it, you know, what needs to be done. Um, will get you to the next level. Because when I, my first job in the music industry was as LA Reed's assistant at Arista. And so when I applied for that job, who do they call, right? They call the people that you interned for Mm -hmm. to say, hey, we're thinking about hiring Benji. You know, what what was he like? If you fucked off because it wasn't so interesting, or "Eh, I'm not doing all that, you know, much important work or whatever, Mm -hmm. you're not going to get a great recommendation for yeah. the job that you actually do want. It's, short-sighted. it's short-sighted so show up be positive do the best job that you can because when that opportunity does come they have to call somebody to make you know for references and they're gonna say yeah he showed up every day you know he did everything we asked him to mm-hmm. he was thorough you know uh, he was positive that's what's going to lead you to to, to where you want to go. And so that's how I treated every internship. So when I graduated college, I um, moved to New York, was sleeping on my brother's sofa. I knew I wanted to be in the music industry, but hadn't found a job yet. And mm. I ended up working for an internet music company called um, Digital Club Network, which webcast mm. concerts on, on the internet, sort of ahead of its time. But anyway, I was working there for a couple of months before I ended up finding the job at, at Arista, which was like my first proper music industry job.
1: Cool. Um, yeah. That's a very, like, fortuitous thing because, you know, L.A. Reid had done so much at that point.
0: Yeah, he had just taken over for Clive Davis at Arista Records. Yeah. Um, and he had just moved to New York from Atlanta um, and was in need of a, an assistant. All of a sudden, I was L.A. Reid's assistant, and it was like this just dream job of 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 just being at one of the hottest... Mu- Hottest labels at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Arista. We had, you know, Outkast and Usher and TLC and and Avril Lavigne and Pink and just it was crazy. Um, and I'm, you know, sort of like next to the guy Here's that's the running of it. of it, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. at, And so just getting to see how everything works, you know, uh, and you know, really gave me, you know, a, a really strong overview of 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 what goes into a label and and all the different you know, parts of it. And so I felt like it was even better than being in one particular department, Mm -hmm. like being with the president, It's sort of like you see how they all work together. And I think it helped me in, in building Rostrum and, you know, in the, you know, in later years to like have that experience of being at the center like that.
1: When you took on that job with LA, were you thinking, Hey, one day I'd like to start a label or were you just kind of seeing
0: where it goes? So at the time I was, I was writing music. Mm. Um, and so nights, weekends, whatever, when I wasn't doing my thing at Arista, like I was, you know, teaching myself how to produce, I was DJing. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I was really working on, on the creative side of of me. Um, and no, my goal at the time when I was at Arista was like, I would love to do A&R. Um, and so over the course of the three years that I was there, you know, I started sitting in on the a meetings. I started, you know, bringing in artists and 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 bringing in songs for other artists. Um, but I, I kind of just realized as I got closer to actually being an A&R, you know, officially an a person there, I had all these things that I wanted to do, these projects that I wanted to make that weren't necessarily major label projects. Um, and... Um, and I wanted more time to explore as a producer. And, and so I just decided, like, instead of working my way up this ladder, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start my own thing and, and work on some passion projects that I have. And it was one of those things when you're, like, young and you don't have any responsibilities to anybody and you're naive. And you're like, yeah, sure, I'm going to start a record company. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you're 25 and, you know, um, and I'm really glad I did it. But looking back at my younger self, I'm like, wow, like, that was bold, you know, Uh, because you're like going from this great job to like literally sitting by yourself in in the apartment that you share with three friends, figuring it out, like how to how to do it, you know. (laughs) Did that unnerve you at all at any point? So my last day of of Arista was a Friday. That weekend, I had a friend's wedding that I went, um, I went to, and then Monday morning, was was a bit of a shock, right? You know, because it was like, I, my last day, I'm at the wedding doing my thing. Monday morning, you wake up in your apartment and you're like, all right, I have to do something. I have to figure this she out. It just like, got real. Yeah, it just got real. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, this is your idea. <laughs> yeah. And now the reality is you're alone in your apartment, mm. you know, with your, you know, computer and you have to figure out where you're going to go from here. And, you know, and it was scary. Um, but it's one of those things where you just have to put one foot in front of the other and take it day by day. And, and it led me in the right direction. Let's
1: balance this out a little bit though. On a
0: scale of one to 10,
1: what number was your passion running at at that point for what you were doing? I, I would assume it was like, a, like above
0: an eight or a nine. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: that kind of balances out oh, the fear yeah. part of it, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: But you have to mention the fear it wouldn't be like honest yeah. if i just said like yeah and then monday i just jumped into it and started doing I was so my thing passionate. <laughs> yeah like and it was no problem at all it was like you know it's like fuck this is real you mm-hmm. know what i mean and going from being at the like the epicenter as you said of of this major company working on all this stuff to being by yourself having no team and and just needing to figure it out mm-hmm. is a is a big change Um, but yes, it is the passion for the music, for what I was thinking in my head of what I, you know, the projects that I wanted to do Mm -hmm. and doing it my own way. That was, that really sort of led me through
1: it. Where were you at? Like family wise, first of all, family members are generally not inclined to support people going into music in the first place, but being that you actually had solid ground in the music industry when you were with LA for a moment, um, I imagine maybe your family was like, "Oh, great job!" And then when you dipped out and did your own thing, was your family
0: like, "You're nuts?" Or like, you know?" They weren't, and that was such an important thing for me, right? Um, first of all, when I said I wanted to do music in the first place, like before I even got the job at Arista, um, they were supportive of it, right? Like, I want to go to Los Angeles the summer after my junior year of college so I can do this internship. They were supportive That's of awesome. that. Um, and so when, when I decided to start Rostrum, I think it would have been harder, a lot harder, if my parents um, had said, what the fuck are you doing? Why aren't you doing something more practical? Going to finance or, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, they were just supportive of it, you mm-hmm. know. And I think that gave me and and that gave me a lot of strength to do it, you know, because it feels like all right. Well, they believe in me, you know, uh, and you know my friends, you know. But it's easier for for like a, a peer or a friend <laughs> to be like, yeah, you should go do that, right? But like, I think from from you know, the parental standpoint, it's like, they didn't say, what the fuck are you doing? They, they were like, we support you. And I think that that was really meaningful and really important.
1: Let's go to how you first discovered Wiz. I'm wondering, that's might be an interesting story. I don't know it actually. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I I have no idea which is going to make this a spontaneous combo.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I'm in New York city I, I left Arista. I started Rostrum two thousand three. The first artist I worked with and signed to Rostrum was an artist named Nitty. I signed him to Rostrum. Rostrum then did a deal with Universal Records, which is now Republic Records, but at the time it was Universal Records. Um, and we had a number one song for four weeks called "Nasty Girl," and it was like, "Holy shit!" Like I only started my company last out of the year, gate. You had a number one out of the gate. We we're like going crazy, and Amazing. so I was feeling positive about things. But I'm from Pittsburgh, and um, in the back of my mind, I'm like, it would be really cool to find an artist from Pittsburgh and and, and, and do that. And so um, it just so happens that a friend of mine from high school who had been in a rap group um, was managing a young Wiz Khalifa. He said, I know you started a record company. Yeah. You know, um, you, there's a couple of artists here, um, and there was this compilation, this ID Labs compilation. ID Labs is a studio in Pittsburgh, um compilation that you know and, and a few artists really stuck out and one of them was Wiz and so when I went back for Thanksgiving break mm-hmm. uh in 2004 I met with Wiz and, and Nitty was really going at that time. Like, mm. we had just come back from an Australian tour. And so I had something to show for what Rostrum is or what, what you can You had a little track record going, yeah. at least. Because the first thing is like, all right, I worked at Arista Records. I was Ellie Reed's assistant. That's like one stamp of approval, sure. right? But then to then sign an artist and have successful song and, and it'd be big internationally, The pitch becomes easier. <laughs> it, well, it, yeah. I mean, there's a little yeah. bit more of a track record, yeah, yeah. right? And... um and, you know, he was a high school student, you know, he, 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 you know, it's was a different era, right? It's not like yeah. SoundCloud was there or whatever. So it's not like there was music out right. or anything, but, you know, he was just really, really talented. And, um, and so we met then in Thanksgiving and, and we signed in, in early 2005, and we just started going, you know. And it took, and from there, it took years.
1: One of the favorite things I've heard you share with me, <laughs> yeah, black and yellow, the one that broke Wiz. Yeah, that's
0: five years later, by the way. Five
1: years later from yeah. this from, meeting. From what we're about. Okay, yeah. and and you told me the quote loosely was, anybody that tells you from the record label or anybody involved with it that they knew this song was going to be massive is
0: lying to you. Yes, it, it is true that. It was supposed to be a setup record. It was like, you know, Wiz had made that record with Stargate. Um, we, were, we were continuing to work on the album. But it, everyone, you know, thought the song was a good song. And it was something to, you know, put out. Like, hey, you know, we're working on the album. Here's a song that, that we made. Yeah. Not like, this is going to be a number one record, right? Which it ended up being. And it's so, an
1: iconic record man I mean it's great yeah it's, I mean yeah. Uh, yeah
0: like nobody knew that to that level no none of us I mean none of us thought that it wasn't like oh man we're gonna put out Black and Yellow <laughs> and it's gonna be a number one record yeah. it was like let's put out Black and Yellow so that you know we can just kind of show them stuff that whizzes on and then go to another song and then yeah. you know and wow. build up to the album kind wow. of a thing and so but it just like went crazy
1: um, okay. So, so that's, and that was the biggest thing, obviously for Rostrum up to that point. Is that yeah. fair to say? Right. Okay. So Absolutely. capsule that time of early Rostrum, I imagine that there was a lot of like, is this going to work? There was, you
0: know, some of that, even though you had the, the nitty record take off, is that fair to say? A ton, a ton yeah. of that. I mean, you know, look, the, the nitty record takes off, but it's, it's somewhat short lived, right? You know, um, we we ended up doing an album with universal the album didn't do well universal drops nitty Mm. um uh uh, and and so that chapter is over Mm. right i had signed Wiz by then but it's not like it's only money going out the door right it's not money there's no money coming in the door um and so it's figuring out all right how you know how do you keep the lights on how do you pay your rent? You know, um, and how do you pay for studio time? And we're making these mixtapes. So it's like, how do you give this producer $100? And you were in this place for at least a few years, right? Yeah. 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 Um, And then you have a little spike, right? Like we got, um, Wiz got signed to to Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. But it was like a multi-singles deal leading into potentially more. We had done a couple of singles. And, you know, it didn't do anything crazy. Like, it was, was, you know, it was fine. The people there were, were great you know, and and shout out to Craig Aronson, um, who's no longer with us, but was a really important part of, of Wiz's career at that stage. Mm. I flew out to LA from Pittsburgh and I was like, look, I don't think this is working out, Craig. I think that we should part ways. And he worked it out within the Warner system at the time to, to let us go mm. and, and to let us keep the other records we hadn't released yet or anything. And and so it was really important and really helpful for them to let us go back to being purely independent because it felt like we were growing independently. Mm-hmm. We signed to Warner Brothers. It felt like we are stagnating a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then... And then when when we left Warner Brothers, it felt like it started going up again. And so we felt like this independent grind that we I mean, were figuring you're out. Not, you're not hamstringed run. with the bureaucracy of, of being at a major for sure. But also, you know, we had a lot to learn too, right? Which is sometimes when you sign to a major, and like in this situation, you feel like okay, well, the, like you're like you're passing the baton. Like mm-hmm. all right, we did all this hard work up until here, and totally. now now there's this big building with lots of people and whatever. It's like, they must be able to handle it for Yeah, can here. you run with this now, you know please? Know I mean? Yeah, 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 I get it. Um, but that's not how it really is. Like, you know, you have to keep going as if they don't exist, you know. Um uh, And so, you know, we really learned that, like, look, you can't trust other people, to just kind of run with it. Like you have to keep running with it and they have to keep up with you. So mm. that's one of the big lessons I learned was like, you can't just get signed and expect them to do it because we yeah. really felt like we were stagnating. And and it was really when we knew we didn't have a major label to rely on that we were always growing. Mm. And so it's like, oh, okay. That means like we have to keep doing this always, no matter what, even if we do another deal, you know, that we just need to, put it into overdrive, not pull back at all. Um, And so, uh, when we ended up doing a deal with Atlantic Records a number of years later, like that lesson was still with us. So it was still like, go, 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 go. And and Atlantic was a great partner in sort of adding everything that they added into it to take it to a whole different level.
1: So talk to me about those few years where you said, Money's going out. Am I going to make rent? Like, well, let's yeah, really so, dig in and so say, getting, how
0: rocky did it get? Yeah. So yeah. getting back to that, yeah, you know, there's a little money in the singles deal. You know, we're talking, th- you know, a couple thousand, you know, uh, here and there, but it's not money where it's like, all right, I'm we're straight, <laughs> you know. And so when that goes away, um, and you're you're back to grinding independently and figuring it out. Even when you've had these successes, there's still doubt in your mind, like, like, how long can I keep this going? It's still, there's still those doubts. Is this going to work out? Is it going to get any bigger than this? Or is it just going, are we going to keep, are we going to continue to spin our wheels? And Wiz is who he is today. And everyone knows kind of how the story went, at least, you know, over the last 10 years, But at that time, you don't know how the story is going to go. Right. Right. You know, the story isn't written yet. And so is this just going to just fall apart? You know, um, is something really going to happen? And, you know, I, I had talks with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, you know, like, I don't know how much longer I can keep this going. You know, maybe I should be a music teacher. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. Um, And it was right after that, that conversation that I had with her that it started to pick up. All of a sudden it started going and then this happened and that happened and 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 then it just started going crazy. But like I was thinking, like, I don't know how much longer I can do this, keep this going. I've been keeping it going for years, Mm. you know, and and you don't know how it's gonna go. This Warner Brothers thing didn't quite work out, like we're back independent, which felt good, but at the same time it's like all right, all of it is on us. Again, Yeah. I mean, like to use an entourage
1: reference, were you like, you were like E and he was like Vince for a minute. Like, how big was the roster at that point? I mean, we didn't talk about that. It was like maybe another artist besides him or what? A
0: couple artists. Yeah. So Um, pretty lean. Pretty much all Pittsburgh based. Right. At the time. Um, Obviously none of them bringing in any money. No. So it was a struggle, but I believed in what we were doing. I believed at my core that this was going to go somewhere. And so even when those doubts creep in, I don't know how long I can do it. I keep this going, you know, you just kind of keep going. And and, yeah. and and when you push long enough, sometimes something happens, you know.
1: When managers and artists or future label executives are trying to establish themselves, they get a lot of closed doors. Oh, yeah. Can we talk? You, you definitely had closed doors. I mean, even even oh, though yeah. you had the Arista thing on your under your belt, like you... Yeah. You couldn't you couldn't get any meeting you wanted and like doors were being closed. So you're having this conversation with the your then girlfriend, now wife, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and he said, okay, that was the moment, and not long after the there was like a reversal, right? Things started to sort of go in your guys' favor. Yeah. What was the catalyst thinking back to that that
0: helped the tide turn? It's not a big moment right it's not like and then the next day i got a call from some so, so you know so and so it was things you you just felt the tide turn a bit like you you feel the momentum building in a different maybe way maybe it was fan response to something yeah fan response right. or mm-hmm. you know or you know mixtape we had just put mm-hmm. out um or whatever where it's like oh wait this is this feels a little bit different mm. you know and then oh this feel, you know and and then it keeps growing from there specifically at that moment I can't remember what it was but it but it's it's all these little moments that that you know it's like all the little drops of water that create a wave it's like it, it was that you could just feel it you know changing yeah. um and then it, and then you know it was just about harnessing that that momentum mm. and it wasn't from zero to 60 like right away yeah it took years so if it had been from like you know me sitting from my computer the monday after i left arista to then like where to black and yellow like that would be a major major change (laughs) but before black and yellow there's cushion orange juice there's tours selling out there's there's this growth over the over the couple of years right before that that Made it so that when Black and Yellow happened, yes, it was still surreal, but there were a number of steps that that led to it. That's a good um, point. And so it wasn't out of nowhere. Um, and it was from years of touring. It was from years of putting out free mixtapes. It was from you know all of that stuff that got us to that point. And so by the time it happened, it was more of like a it was a ramp. the The week that it was number one, it was Grammy week. And we were doing all these like radio rooms, you know, for the for the Grammys and stuff like that. And so it felt really great to be in that situation during a period like that, during a week like that, you know, where it just felt like, oh, shit, like we're at a new level now, you know. And let's talk about the fortuitousness of like uh, Pittsburgh Steelers happened to be in the Super
1: Bowl when
0: that was blowing up yeah they I mean the the Steelers had a really good year that year um and were un using the song yeah you know and and so it became this theme song and then because it's basically it's obviously two colors, every other team started you know saying you know red and yellow or whatever yeah. whatever their you know colors, colors were you know doing their own versions of the song. And so there was all these iterations of it. Um, but and that was so gasoline a on thing. The fire. That was like, oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, was, yeah some, great. Of
1: these, some of these like breaks we catch when we're building, like you can't plan or
0: predict. Right? That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. no no one said like all right we're gonna we're gonna release black and yellow. It's gonna be a huge song. The Steelers are gonna do well. And then you know what I mean. It's like you don't put that together. You know. But when it starts showing itself, yeah. Then you harness it, right? Like yes. all right, let's perform. You know at you know uh, Heinz Field you know for the playoff game yeah. and let's you know let's you know let's do all these things but you, you didn't plan months ahead of time that this is no, what the situation would be there's a guy that he, he created a bracelet
1: company called my intent where you put a word that's meaningful to you and they sort of stamp it on this gold circle and like give you a bracelet and so he happened to be like randomly at, like a friend brought him the rock nation launch and was like here like you can set up over here and try and uh, give these out here. Jay Z happened to obviously be at the Rock Nation thing and and like the idea, got one. Well, Kanye not long after found out about this from Jay Z, and he happened to be shooting the Time magazine Most Influential Person cover, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and literally had his word, his word was beautify and put it like, boom, like that on the Uh, time. Crazy. Most influential person of the year. And I talked
0: to the guy that created this thing and he's like, where do you put that in the business plan? Right. And that's just, yeah, no, I mean, you can't, you can't base your marketing plan off of things like that happening, but, but if, and when they do happen, it's a beautiful thing. You just can't it's, it's like in the music industry, like, you know, it's great to have a great sync in like a big trailer for the big movie, but you can't base your marketing plan off of, off of hoping that that happens because if it happens, awesome, but you have to have a totally, a totally different plan, (laughs) you know, assuming (laughs) that that's not going to happen. But
1: what can people do to like, maybe like manufacture these? I mean, it's like, I don't want to use the word manufacture because you can't manufacture these moments, but what can people do to put the odds more in their favor of like moments like these happening? It just has to be
0: great. Right? So, yeah. so the, the bracelet has to be dope, right? It was dope. Yeah. The song has to be dope. Mm. Like, that's all you have control over is your own output, right? Mm. Are you making a good song? You know, are you, are you surrounding yourself with good people? Like, that sort of thing. But, you know, all these really fortuitous things that happen, like, you can't create that, but you can potentially attract it because you put out good work.
1: Thank you so much again for tuning in to today's episode. It really means the world to me. If you heard anything relatable that created new awareness for you, please visit our podcast on iTunes and leave a rating or review. This helps build our audience. Please comment, like, and share this episode out with your family, friends, coworkers, or anyone who you feel would benefit from the messages shared in today's episode. I'm really, really grateful for your help in spreading these messages of hope and wisdom. The world is in such great need right now and your support helps carry the message onward to others who need it. Also, please consider becoming a monthly financial contributor to the podcast. You can do so by visiting connectionismagic.com and clicking on the Patreon link. Patreon is a third-party platform which helps support creators in exchange for exclusive content and offers. You'll be able to get discounted merchandise like comfy hoodies, t-shirts, as well as retreat discounts where we'll have special guest speakers and group activities to connect you with like-minded community members. Again, thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time, please stay connected.